0: Good morning, and welcome to The New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran, and I want to welcome you to today's show. We've got, of course, my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley, on the lower monitor this morning. Good
1: morning, Rob. How are you? Great, Todd. It's great to be here. Uh, And I'm excited because we have a fantastic guest on the show this week. It's it's really, uh, for the last few months, it's really just been you and I on the show. So it's, it's, it's great. This is a... New energy, right, Todd?
0: Yeah, and I actually introduced her already on the lower third. But we want to welcome Kathy Doyle from McMillan Podcasting, and of course, they're behind the Quick and Dirty Tips Network. Welcome, Kathy.
2: Hey, hey guys! Thanks for having me. Hey,
1: hey, Kathy.
0: Yeah, it's good. Hi, Rob. It's going to be great. We've uh, Rob. It's just not you and I being talking heads. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you guys never have a shortage of things to say. That's for sure.
0: Well, well, we try. Yes. So uh, welcome everyone to the show, and uh, I tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a fun one today because a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on, and those of you that are on SoundCloud, you can uh, breathe a sigh of relief. Yes. $169.75 yes. million. Is that
1: so true? So how long will that last <laughs> them?
0: Uh, well, you figure they're burnt. They, they had to pay $70 million in debt. So that leaves them with what 99 or something like that, or 98, 97. And then br- seeing that they're burning 50 to 60 million a year, uh, they cut some jobs. So maybe they got two years, maybe they got a year and a half. I don't know. <laughs> but can you imagine I would having say an- that?
1: They probably had some, yeah, I would say that they probably had some serious um, discussions about business models.
0: Can you? Can- um, can you imagine having invested two hundred thirty million dollars and being told you, you, your uh, two hundred thirty million dollar investment is going to be cut by forty percent? Can you imagine that? That would like drive you to drinking, wouldn't it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's true. true. I'm sure there were a lot of very unpleasant conversations in the boardroom.
0: So, Kathy, what would McMillan do with $170 million if you had it for just podcasting?
2: Wouldn't that be fabulous? Wouldn't that be amazing?
0: so much. You know, I I, I just think about that number sometimes, and I'm just like...
2: (laughs) Staggering, right?
0: It's staggering. Mm -hmm. It's a staggering amount of money. You know, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, <laughs> I look at my budget. I'm like, man, what I could do with that. You know what I could do with a 10. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, there is a, there is a, a sigh of relief, but the question then really becomes what happens. So, well, you know, they get a new CEO. So what is he going to do? Is he going to come in and clean house? And if I was him, I I'd, think so. If I was him. I'd come in and look at every line item. Wouldn't you?
1: hmm. Yep. Uh, well i think one of the reasons that they got into this problem to begin with was the fact that they they had that same kind of reaction todd that you had it's like uh if i had that much money what what would i do and i think a lot of <laughs> i mean i've worked for startups that have had a lot of capital that have come in from venture capitalists and it's just like it's really tempting to kind of um splurge in areas that uh, aren't, aren't going to bring a return to the company and and I think that the reputation of SoundCloud a little bit has been that where they've they've really kind of overspent on nice offices and nice facilities and uh, hiring lots of people and spending lots of money, you know, with really not a I I don't know I I don't know this for fact, but it seems like a singular focus on how they're going to sustain that business beyond their venture, you know, beyond their venture capital. So that's why I was thinking those conversations in the boardroom were pretty pretty difficult i would think <laughs> um you know i mean as you think about you know those early investors and how they've been diluted. diluted i would think yeah substantially um and i'm sure they were not happy about that um but i guess it's better than having the company go bankrupt i guess
0: yeah it's better than uh, having 115 or 120 million dollars in remaining investment or valuation, and then. Uh instead of nothing but you know they they said that the value of the company is now down to 150 so it's even worse there's no unless they do something miraculous they have to you know that's now that 390 million dollar total investment in that company so it's um it's shocking it really is
1: and and Todd I would think that one of the the practices that they've had up to this point of giving away free hosting to to networks is one going to be one of the things that gets cut.
0: <laughs> well, time time will tell. My phone my phone wasn't ringing too much yesterday, <laughs> but not uh, yet anyway. No, no. So you know, I guess we'll see. But um uh, it, it it is. Uh, you know, it, we were like I told everyone on Thursday because there was this really inflaming headline that came out that said. Basically, it sounded like they they were done. You know, if they didn't get the money on Friday, it was like lights out. Uh, and they don't know if that had happened immediately. Maybe the, you know, if they had voted no, maybe they'd come in and infuse some cash or something. But we, I was like, everyone prepare to work Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> you know, don't make any big plans. You, 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 you. I will be calling everyone in if this is if this happens. So, uh, but everyone's yeah, uh, enjoying their weekend
1: that's that's probably a good thing though
0: yeah so kathy um yeah. I, I know that uh you've been watching this space for a long long time and maybe we should just let you introduce yourself we should have done that in the beginning i wasn't a very nice host i'm no, a bad no, hosting not at duties all.
2: Not at all. that's great thank you <laughs> so uh, yeah i've been with mcmillan for five and a half years now it's been a while
0: wow i thought it was longer than that for some reason
2: I don't know, Todd. We did, go way back
0: to day one. Yeah. Yes. Did, did you and I, I think you and I met one time, didn't we? Was I in New York and stopped? We met. In-
2: we met uh, I saw you at Podcast Movement last year. And I'll see you again next oh, week. Oh, so yeah. I,
0: I never came to your office then in New York.
2: No, but I've invited you several times. Yeah. So
0: next time I come, I have to.
2: come by. See, we are in the Flatiron Building in New York.
0: Okay. Nice. So. And I know you do the commute into the city every day and that's uh that's pretty typical for folks that into uh, the
2: bubble as you call it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, every time I go to Manhattan, I'll be honest with you. I, I like being there for it's fun for three or four days. And I you know, I say that three or four, but after that, like let me escape. It's just really? Yeah, you know, and, and I I think if you live there it's probably different and work there because you're just going to the office and you know, you're doing the nine to five and or nine to ten or whatever the hours may be. And, uh, it's, it's a little different vibe, but when, you know, you go there and you're doing business, you know, I'm going in one building, walking out and going into the next and, you know, uh, Ubering around the city or lifting. And, uh, so I, I don't get a lot of time to have some fun. You know, I'm, I'm mostly working. So,
2: yeah, that's the problem. Next time you come, you have to make sure you set some time aside to really explore the city. Yeah. All it has to offer. The energy there is just like, you can't even describe it. It it is. We love working
1: there. Oh, it is. Yeah.
2: But anyway, yeah, so let's see. I started quite a bit of time McMillan- in, oh, go ahead, in
1: Rob. New York as well, and uh, I kind of feel the same way that Todd feels. It seems like every time I go there, it's like rush, 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 going mm-hmm. around the city, <laughs> battling the crowds and the traffic, and and it's uh, it's pretty stressful being in being in New York. But if you were there, I would think every day it would get into a routine. Um, Absolutely, yeah, we
2: love it.
1: So, yeah. So totally.
2: So, should I tell my QDT story? What sure. Should I start? Is that a good place oh, to start? I yeah. think you should. Yeah. So, uh, McMillan awesome. has been successfully and profitably podcasting for a number of years. Uh, we got into the space in 2007. Um, Mignon Fogarty, Grammar Girl, who's been a frequent guest on this show, uh, she actually started a podcast. But when I think they might have even still been called Netcasts at that point, they were really just emerging. She had been finding that some of her editing clients, she was doing technical writing and editing at the time, were making the same mistakes over and over again. And she was someone who really wanted to kind of walk the walk and really show that she was engaged in the technology space. And she decided to record tips for her clients. And she put them out on a feed and lo and behold, started to be discovered, Uh, really started to get some traction with the show, got a mention in the Wall Street Journal, which had just started to kind of talk about podcasts and got a call from John Strolling, an editor-at-large now at Macmillan, who very quickly realized that Grammar Girl could be more than just a book, which of course was the purpose for the initial call. So they got to talking, and around that same time, Mignon had been started to be approached by other subject matter experts, friends, some were colleagues, some were people she really didn't even know, and they sort of wanted to get in on the action. So lo and behold, before a network, a podcast network was even a thing, we were a podcast network and now a joint venture with Mignon Fogarty um, going into its 10th year. So pretty exciting stuff. And we've grown now to we have 12 shows, weekly shows, uh, all of which are quick and short in format and give consumers, educators, um, fitness fanatics, actionable information. And each show is hosted by a true credentialed, qualified subject matter expert. So we, we we're, we're going to hit we're at about 250. sorry, 2 million downloads per month, but lifetime, uh, 270 million downloads of our shows. So pretty powerful.
0: And for those of you watching, I apologize about the lower thirds. I'm hitting the button. It's not moving. So I think the TriCaster, uh, switcher needs to go back to the manufacturer for work. Um, (laughs) I hit the button and it's supposed to move and it didn't, you know, you know, I, in having, you know, of course we all were, you know, I, I remember when uh, QDT came on the spe- scene and um, one thing that, uh, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to you know, do your stats in the early days, I, I don't know if we're still doing your stats or not or if we're still using our stats, but we are. The, um, the thing that amazed me and, and I, I often use the Quick and Dirty Tips Network as an example of someone that does long tail, right? You guys have incredible, you do it the best. You do long tail the best of anyone in the space. I can just say that hands down. There are episodes that has been put out on the network years ago that Mm -hmm. still get massive numbers of downloads every
2: single month. Yeah, we have great traction. Uh, The stuff is really evergreen. We have, um, when you collectively look at our, our archives, we've got more than 4,000 episodes of the individual shows. Several of our hosts are over 400 individual episodes. I think Mignon is at about 550. Uh, Nutrition Diva, which was another early show on the network, is at, I don't know, 450, something like that. So, and we always mark those milestones with our hosts. Um, it's, it's really a, a very collaborative family, and we work really hard to make sure there's a lot of synergy among our hosts, so it's, it's, it's been a great time and, and it's been very rewarding to see the network continue to show great growth, you know, amidst this surge in podcasting. What are we at now? 400,000 shows on, on iTunes, on Apple. I don't know. Um, I don't even know what that number was when we started, but it's certainly changed a lot in the five and a half years since I took the network over.
0: Yeah. Angelo had actually published uh, t- some totals recently, but yeah, we're over 400. Matter of fact, it's, 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 it, if it doesn't go over five hundred thousand this year, I, I think I'll be surprised. Based on everything we're seeing, but you know, we have to say that with a caveat that um, a lot of those shows pot pay too, so there's still a high, you know, a high attrition rate. Yeah. But
2: and I think too, the, you know, our shows have longevity, as you said, the long tail. Um, all of them, the, the twelve we're running now, most of them have been around for at least five years. There's only a few shows that are, that are fairly new and we've made some a few changes to the catalog this year but we're very pleased with the with the progress.
0: You know, one thing that is, you know, Rob their shows are are short. They're you know, what is the average like 5 6 minutes, 7 minutes?
2: Yeah, it can get any, anywhere from 5 so you know I just listened to Money Girl the other day and she went about 20 minutes. So it really does vary based on the content, but they do try to stay certainly under 20 and most of them under 10.
0: Yeah, and I know that having talked, you know, and we had done some ad deals with you guys early on when, uh, you know, Citrix was heavy in the space and a few others. But what you, the challenge you folks had was is that you couldn't do a two-minute read or, or two-minute, you know, you needed a shorter ad spot. And it, it, that is that continuing to be a challenge even now or?
2: It's a challenge. And on occasion, we will hear from a listener who will say, you know, gee, that spot was really long. But for the most part, our listeners are extremely supportive of our sponsors. We have um, a great ad operations team, which is led by Kelly Dickinson in New York. And she works diligently with our sponsors with Midroll and makes sure that the talking points are really well refined. And really, I think, has become an expert at taking talking points and really refining them to speak the language of the host. So by the time that the, it's I always call it like a giant game of telephone, right? Because you sort of, it starts way back with the agency. Well, the sponsor, really, the, the company that's buying the spot. Then it's the agency. Then it goes through mid-roll, several iterations through their organization. Then it comes to Kelly. Then it gets to the host. And then it gets on air. It's like this huge process behind the scenes. I think a lot of people don't realize how complicated it can be. It takes a really long time. And we make sure that every single talking point we get, is very carefully vetted, we test all the URLs, we try the promo codes, we do all of that before we even pass it off to our hosts to make that process seamless for them. And then, of course, we check everything, we do the air checks, we make sure that it's really just a very well-oiled machine at this point. In terms of challenge on length, um, you know, we, we don't ever exceed the length, we just keep it as short as we can, as effective as we can, make sure the hosts are hitting the talking points they need to hit in order to qualify for the monetization, um, but it, it works pretty well, you know, uh, it really does.
0: So you guys, um, I'm just looking at the director here, 410,551 is what we have, at least in our system. So, Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) um, Todd, it's, Todd, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know we talk about on this program, and I know i I speak to this a lot at at podcasting panels that I'm on that the the most successful pod, podcasts in podcasting they are 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 longer, right? They're in the four five to fifty minute to the hour range. And I think it's really interesting, uh, and this is one aspect that I wanted to talk about about with Kathy on here too is is that they're they're managing to I guess go a little bit against the grain here and do shorter form content and have a success metric that we haven't really seen with a lot of other podcasts. And I think it's really a, a testament to what they've done and to, I guess, be very, very focused. If Kathy, if you could talk about um, just that discipline that you have to keep it less than 20 minutes, I would think that there's a lot of uh, tendency or a lot of pressure on the part of the the content side to go a little longer, um, to go deeper into subjects. I, Uh, Do you feel that tension, or is it really kind of natural to stay within that 20-minute range?
2: So it's interesting that you should ask that because we are—I think we are very, very true to our brand. We make sure that everything is truly quick and dirty. Uh, The hosts are all experts at making sure their episodes come in with the right, you know, amount of time, the right amount of coverage. On occasion, if they're doing, we also do a lot of interviews now, interview format. So um, that can be a challenge to really give someone the opportunity to be on the show. And that's, I think, Money Girl did have an interview last week on Social Security. And I think um, that's part of the reason why some of the shows do go a little bit longer. But at the end of the day, our listeners and our fans support that because the content they're getting is so rich with information. And it's still always actionable, quick information, uh, even if the format goes a little bit longer, that you can use in your everyday life. So
0: you and what is your, I know that you guys have had shows that have essentially you've dropped shows before do you have a you get a host they get started you have certain expectations? Can you talk me through your process of when you decide to drop a show because i know you've you I don't know if you've dropped shows or maybe a host moves on what What has been your guys's process on that?
2: Yeah, we have had to cut a couple of shows. And essentially, it's just when they don't get traction. At the end of the day, they have to be profitable. So if they don't get traction with sponsors, um, we have had over the years to cut a few, not many, and we've added a lot. Um, But that's the process really is just to kind of watch the numbers like everybody else.
0: And that's probably a big difference, Rob, between them and a regular podcaster. If you're doing things on your own, and your numbers aren't where they're at, you can decide whether or not you want to continue and but from yes. a business perspective, mm-hmm. it's you know, the the acts may come out.
3: Yeah, yeah, we don't totally. like to do that, yeah.
2: But on occasion,
0: it's,
1: so, it's necessary. Kathy, can you share a little bit about uh, you know how big the staff is that supports all your shows? And sure. uh, do you have a producer yeah. that's assigned to every show, or or what's the model, or does the the host really manage most of it?
2: No, we have a staff of the, it, right now. The QDT staff is three. Uh, It's myself, Alyssa Martino, who's our senior editor and business development manager, and Kelly, Mm -hmm. who I mentioned before, who handles a lot of the production issues and uh, handles all the ad operations. We have three freelance audio producers who work with our 12 hosts. But we're also in the process of staffing up because, you know, to your point earlier about the format and its limitations to some extent, We are now um, spinning off to a second network, Macmillan Podcasts. So we're staffing up. We're adding an audience development person. We're adding a senior producer, um, and we'll be staffing up throughout the year. So our team, I think, will be like at um, nine or ten.
0: Wow. So big things coming then. So are you? Big things coming. Can you talk about that? Are you going to be soliciting content? Are you going to be going out and picking shows? I'm curious. What's what's the Well, we're incredibly
2: fortunate. You know, this kind of started because, well, first of all, our senior management has been watching with interest what we've been doing over the last several years and has really um, been incredibly supportive about giving us, you know, the freedom to expand the work that we're doing. I would say it kind of started with having authors, you know, we are Macmillan, we have St. Martin's Press, we have Henry Holt, Flatiron Books. We are so fortunate to have access to some of the world's best authors, So we would do things like when Brandon Stanton released his most recent Humans of New York book, he was a guest on Ellen Hendrickson's Savvy Psychologist show, one of our greatest, I think one of our strongest shows. And they had this amazing conversation about how to talk to strangers. It was a really popular episode. And that was, I think, just a really great example of how synergistically we can work with our colleagues to um, put great content out on QDT, but also bring in authors to talk about their books on our platform. we did a couple other things like that, and we were approached, I think, in end of toward the end of last year, to do a, a podcast with an author named Kara Brookins. That name might sound familiar to you. Uh, many people recognize her as the woman who, with her children, literally built her house using YouTube videos. Do you remember that? The story yeah. went pretty viral. So she did a. Uh, she was our first author podcast outside of QDT. The format probably could have su- suited QDT if we were to stick to ha- house building tips. But the show was really much more inspirational. She interviewed a lot of other authors and other people who had overcome pretty significant struggles in their life, like she did. She didn't have a place to live, and she very creatively figured out how to solve that problem. And that led us to sort of say, you know, we could really be doing a lot more with our authors. Uh, we also released just a couple of weeks ago, maybe you heard about Steel of Stars. So that's mm-hmm. our new audio drama through a collaboration with Gideon Media, which is in part owned by Mac Rogers of The Message and Life After, and Tour Labs, which is a new experimental imprint at Macmillan, doing a lot of you know, um, experimental genre publishing, in this case, uh, audio-first publishing. So Steal the Stars, uh, we're calling it Arrival Meets Ocean's Eleven. It's a really great romantic science fiction thriller heist that's doing quite well. And that's one of our first shows, but we're developing. We have several more in development that will use our authors that sort of break the QDT mold, but enable us to to really leverage the the power of of the authors that we bring into Macmillan. So we're excited.
1: Todd, can I? Add, sure, um, sure. So are those are those uh, uh, stories that are in in book form today, or they're they're kind of kind of original, uh, but not in current print form? Today?
2: That's a great question. So with Steal the Stars, like I said, it's audio first. So the podcast is actually the first audio first. Yeah. Okay. It's the first thing that, that Tor Labs is introducing. It will be followed by a trade paperback, an ebook, and an audiobook based on the series. So if you oh. haven't listened, please I encourage you to go take a listen. It's it's already up to hundred reviews. The show's doing really well. Mac is an incredible writer. Um it's you know, it's cast with all you know, professional New York, New York theater professionals. Um, it's it's uh, for our first venture into an audio drama, we're we're really pleased with the way that it's that's it's turning out. It's the sponsorships. We actually got um someone posted on social media the other day something that's I forget exactly how he worded it, but he said, you know, this is probably the first time I've listened to a show where I'm actually entertained by the ads. The ads are great content because <laughs> Mac and Sean, they have this great dynamic where they are talking about Plated, they're talking about Lisa, they're talking about Audible in really genuine ways that I believe, and I know they believe, really adds value to the experience. Which I know that sounds crazy, but you know it's it's very difficult in that format, and I'm sure you've heard other people say this to not break the flow of the story. You're deeply engaged with these characters and what's happening in the, in this wonderful mm-hmm. story. Um, so to stop and integrate live read mid rolls can be a huge challenge. But I think they're I think they're meeting it head on. And um, we're very pleased.
0: Did you format that at all? Did you go back and look at like the Dr. Floyd stuff, or did did you use any other prior shows in the podcasting space to kind of get some ideas for that? Or did you guys? Oh
2: yeah, I mean, we listened to a lot of stuff, and you know, tried to figure out. That I have to say, collaborating with both Tor Labs and Gideon Media has been an absolute pleasure. They. It, it, I give them a lot of credit. While we have brought them up to speed in terms of how to effectively do the live reads, they are storytellers mm. and they are very um, concerned with preserving their work. So they have worked diligently to find the right breaking point. And I think the production quality of and the integration of the ads uh, is is exceptional. So yes, that that was not something that just happened. We, we worked really hard to make it happen properly so that listeners would come away, um, you know, still enjoying the experience, even though, We have to pay the bills and stop and do two mid-rolls in the middle of the episode. So it's a challenge. (laughs) One
0: one thing, you know, Rob and I talked about this last week is this, it seems now that there are two distinct, well, there is two distinct. You know, you've got service providers like Rob and I, We, you know, and we're not necessarily, unless Rob, you're doing something I don't know you're doing, we're not going out and, you know, building content. You know, we're, we're basically, you know, his and I company are providing back-end tools and there's others, obviously. And then you have, you know, you folks, you have uh, the Gimlet, the Monopoly, you know, Midroll, all those folks that are now in this content game. So the question that, you know, the the discussion that him and I had to think last week was, you know, this quote unquote, we're supposed to get to 200, some 225, 250 million dollars next year in yes. advertising. Mm-hmm. Will there, and, and it excites all of us, obviously, and w- we'll see what happens, but I pretend, or my hypothesis, or not even hypothesis, but my thought is is that the space will really get filled up with advertising if that grows that fast. I don't think there will be enough new content to, I don't think you, the folks on the content side, and I know you're all going to try, but on the content side, I don't think there's going to be enough content to keep up with advertising demand if it grows as they say it will
2: i think uh, at the end of the day it comes down CPM to having great content I'm,
1: uh, <clears throat> if that's the case
0: uh, go ahead kathy what were you saying I,
2: I i think i think there is and i mean i think the demand will be there and i think those of us who are providing high quality highly produced really great shows will benefit from that from those advertising dollars we're counting on it
0: yeah and i have no doubt that your advertising will be full and that's a key word here you're you've every you know mid-roll is going to be full everything everyone's going to be tapped out as far as the number of spots but i think at that point with that much money coming in, it's going to start trickling down into the shows that it was before before there was these big massive shows so um you well, know that's
2: I, good news but, for Todd, those I, shows you know i
1: think the question is is that going to happen oh yeah is, or is that going to happen is yeah. is it going to be held back because of there's not as much quality and I'm, I'm concerned more about the audience side. Um, is the audience growing fast enough to keep up with being able to adequately, um, create that, that, you know, that listenership base that the advertisers are trying to reach. And I mean, all these things, you know, it's like a balance in the market. You, you you create a lot of content, but is there enough audience to support it? Right. Is the thing that I'm concerned about. Cause we, we, you know, but great content will bring in more, more listeners. So, you know, it's the chicken or the egg. What comes first? Is mm-hmm. it the great content? And that content gets out there and maybe it doesn't get sold out initially. Um, there's a risk that people could pull back on that um, and not expand as quickly and thus not drive as much audience. So I think that, you know, these things are a balance um, and I think what, what Kathy and mcmillan is doing is definitely part of the solution here it's to create that quality content that will expand that listenership base um but i'm 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 a little worried todd that it, that the the indie side of this um may not see that influx i don't know i think it's it, I, I think it's up to to platforms like you and i to help solve that problem
0: you know i just look at the Let's just just put it this way. Look at the money left on the table every month. You know, there is literally enough inventory just on my system alone where if another million dollars came in a month, I'd have no problem filling that. I could fill, I could, I could spend every penny easily. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I'm saying that's a million a month, not a million a quarter, a million a month we could spend. You know, and uh, so it's um, it it is an you know it is interesting that the. It's the separation between the big shows and the reg and the indie shows. Let's just call it that. I don't even want to say smaller shows, but there are smaller shows that are also massive, but they're usually not having a, a problem getting monetized, but.
2: Well, to some extent, mm-hmm. Todd, too, I think it's all about, to some extent, it's bundling content, right? True. So if you're working through a broker, yeah. you have the advantage of perhaps choosing several shows that are focused on parenting or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever who, who the yeah. audience you're trying to reach. So some of the smaller shows can benefit that way.
0: Yeah, and what we've also been doing yeah. is basically when, and, I, and actually who gave me this idea was Lisa over at Twit uh talking with her at i don't know nabc yeah someplace and she says
1: yeah it was a couple years ago
0: yeah "Yeah," and she's and and i after that point i had been allowing well what i did was i i said came home from that event and i had already been very very frustrated with uh media buyers uh, cherry picking shows out of the you know the stack that we'd give them 50 shows or whatever and they would pick five and uh, and I invariably just basically said you have to take all fifty or you don't get the other five. And uh, boy, you know, br- bristle, bristle, but it it's worked out. It's it's been a good strategy uh, because, in all honesty, many times those t- let's say those top five shows will carry ninety percent of the ad buy, and the other forty five will carry the other ten percent but it at least allows money to trickle down into those other 45 shows and we get more spots. And, uh, and oftentimes I think the smaller shows carry the performance on the, in the entire campaign to help the big shows that (laughs) big shows don't always perform as well as the smaller shows. So, um,
2: and Todd, are you still mostly getting direct response?
0: Yeah. Mostly DR. How about you guys? Are you getting mostly DR still? We've
2: done some branding. Yeah. We've been getting some branding spots, which is great. Um, I was, I think the first one we got was Prudential a couple of years ago. And I remember running into Mary Beth Roche, my publisher's office and saying we got a branding campaign because it was very exciting. Um, I'd like to see more of that, obviously, but we you know we do a good job with the direct response too. So. Yeah.
0: So on the branding one, wh- what did they, what was the metric? How did they, how did they measure success? Did they look for an uptick or what was the, what was the, you know, what was the, what was the, Credentials basically say yes. This was a great campaign.
2: I always ask those questions. I always go back and try to find out more information about what the advertisers, what the sponsors are actually seeing on the results side. But as I'm sure you know, a lot of that stuff is is just not shared with us. Mm-hmm. So we just do the best possible work we can do, and hope that we move the needle. And the way we know that we move the needle is when the sponsors return. I'm sure you see the same thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <coughs> and and you know I've done uh, you know in the early days. Because there was so few, I was able to, you know, I basically have case studies now that we provide to media buyers that we developed, you know, like the first five years of the space because everyone was sharing, <laughs> you know, oh yeah, you guys did, uh, you know, he brought us, uh, 2,832 new customers. And I was like, really, you know, and, but, and, you know, so they were telling us exactly what, what was happening in the space. So
2: I would love to get that information. I think it's so valuable. Yeah. You know, and it helps at the end of the day it helps us do our jobs better. Yeah. You know, we, so, always, we 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 have a philosophy at QDT that I've shared publicly before that it's for us it we are very much committed to delighting our listeners and I think we we do a good job with that. We hear from them all the time. But I also want to delight the advertisers. You know, it's important to us that that's that experience adds value um for the listener and for the advertiser.
0: I think the key the word there that you just said is delight.
2: Delight. Yeah. yeah we try.
0: Yeah. Rob, you were going to say something.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask. Uh, so, are you excited to uh, to see what Apple is going to going to do with their disclosure on, on on playback? And is there any any anticipation that you might have to how it might have an impact on your yeah. your 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 advertising placement and production and mm-hmm. and being able to get that? you know that sample of data back is that gonna do you think that that's gonna have an impact on your network
2: well we think it's gonna be great for the qdt shows because of course they're shorter in format and we have high confidence that people listen to them all the way through um for the longer shows you know i think we're going to be fine because it'll come down to great content great quality content i think if you have a great show and you believe in it and you support it and you have high production values and you do everything right I, I would hope that, that that's all going to be a good thing for us. So we'll have to wait and see. I still have James Boggs' video presentation that he gave at the developers conference to watch. But we're watching that. Uh, we're reading the coverage of that, watching it with interest and figuring out. I know, Todd, you've already done this for your platform, but figuring out how to add those values into our content management system. And we'll have all that ready by the time iOS 11 comes out. Is there Have they given any more information on a date for that?
0: Well, it, it's, I think
1: it's the fall, probably. Yeah, and
0: so the rumor, rumor is that the iPhone, new iPhone is not going to be out until November. That's the latest date, but that to me does not make any sense unless they're having serious production delays because they really won't be ramped up completely for the Christmas season. So they really have to have that, you know, if they want to maximize the, and maybe they don't worry about it because everyone just goes nuts anyway, but if they want to maximize the sales routine and the ramp up that they normally take, they got to be on the shelves by like October one, I would think, because it's usually five, six weeks before their production is, you know, able to sustain continue, you know, not people having to wait two weeks for phone. So, um, but I'm also worried about the new, and you know, as far as the iOS 11 goes, it's going to be what it's going to be. But, you know the new. They're telling us that there's not going to be a thumb unprint unlock on the phone this time around. I'm like, what are you thinking? Um, oh, they're
2: eliminating that.
0: Yeah, it'll be uh, face recognition to unlock the phone. So apparently they couldn't get it through the OLED screen. They're going to. They they didn't want a a button there anymore. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe it's all hype. But
2: have you tried the wireless earbuds yet?
0: You know. Uh, Rob Walsh told me, I, and I, I was like, uh 167 dollars or whatever they cost." And I was just like, "You're crazy." <laughs> and Rob Walsh swears by them. I assume you have them.
2: I do not. You do not. Look, look what I'm using now. No, just yeah, like,
1: you know, old school. Yeah, she's using the old, the old ones. Yeah. He he, he,
0: he says it's, and this is what Rob said. He said he takes them off, he puts them in the case. He says it fits in my my that little pocket that are on blue jeans. That no one ever uses. He says it fits right in there. He said I don't lose them. Uh, they don't get tangled up. I can be uh, out of the case into my ear in, you know, like fifteen seconds. He swears by them. So, uh, no, I I don't. I I'm still believe it or not. I'm spend most of my time on the phone in my car anyway. And I've had such bad luck with Bluetooth. I use a thirteen ninety five Chinese knockoff headset. Uh that works <laughs> it it works so wonderfully that uh, yeah. uh someone said, Give me that part number, so or give me that Yeah, give me that headset so I can have that for my own vehicle. That's
1: great. So Yeah, Todd, I agree Bluetooth can be pretty unreliable. I've I, I've had the same experience. Um I don't know. I mean I, I it'd be great to have a better technology that's a little more reliable
0: you know, I bought some relatively expensive workout earphones and uh, six weeks and I had to send them in for warranty work because I killed them in six weeks. I I just, I'm not good on Bluetooth headsets, but it is what it is. Yeah. But, you know, I think the, the thing with Apple, um, and we've said this a number of times on the show, be careful what you wish for. I think some podcasters are in for some, (gasps) you know, some awakening. I I hope not, but maybe.
1: And it's probably going to be the shows that are longer form, right, typically.
2: Well, what did I hear you guys say a couple of weeks ago? It's going to be the death of the post-roll, right?
1: Well, post-roll. Post-rolls, yeah. Okay. Shouldn't even talk about post-rolls. You
2: want to buy a
0: post-roll on my show? Sure. (laughs) I don't guarantee results. (laughs) You know, but uh, I've done tests, though with my own audience. And I think this is good for any podcaster. You know, if, if you get to the end of your show, right at the end, throw, throw a, you know, throw a bomb in there. Like, Hey, by the way, if you email me a comment today with the subject line, whatever, I'll put you in a drawing for a hundred bucks. Just do that. You know, just throw, so throw some money on the table and see how many people email you. Cause you say, okay, I'm just going to randomly pick one of you to get a hundred dollar gift certificate or whatever and do it right at the end of the show. And and see your response rate as compared to the mid roll, and I think that'll tell you something. Well, that's you, a great idea. Yeah, you give someone enough cash incentive to send an email. You know, all oh, this is all they got to do is send an email. That's it. <laughs> and they're in the contest for a hundred bucks. I think you know it's a. It's it's an for some folks that's expensive, but for me it's an inexpensive test, and I've done that a number of times on my show. I've done it right in the last three minutes of the show laid out a contest and said, okay, here here it is. And I get good response at the end. So, but do is it as good as a mid-roll? No, but it's still good. So what is the percentage just hanging to the end? We, we're going to find out. We are. And maybe we'll finally get past this. You know, at least we'll have a story to tell these naysayers when I go visit some of these media companies. And, and I, I just remember my first time in New York, <laughs> Kathy and I'll be honest, I told this story a number of times um I was pretty green and had never done the circuit in New York and um uh, went in with my little presentation and you know we we were doing very well with ad deals at the time and it was us and Libsyn and who else I think that was it there was only a couple of us doing ads in the early days and um maybe a few others but I, I got crucified. I mean this lady at a, at this media <laughs> company, she just I mean, she just crucified me, but it was a it was a wake up call on doing business in New York. <laughs> uh, and um so, you know, for anyone that's going to New York to meet with media companies and do you guys do that circuit or do you let midroll handle all that for you? Mid
2: roll handles
0: that so that you don't have to go do the pitching.
2: Um, I would love to. I mean, I'd love to be more involved in that process. Uh, it's, it's, n- no, you don't. Because we're so committed to our shows,
1: <laughs> you know. And the, yeah, no, you don't. Well, Todd, it's it's probably a little better now than it was back then.
2: I'm yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, I mean sure. it was a new. Well, I, people understand. I the did media, the same right, thing. You know, so, back
1: when I was yeah. working on Zoom, I would uh, I would fly back to New York. I was back there quite often, you know, speaking with the media companies back there in the early days of this. And. Um, there was a lot of experimentation going on. A lot of people really didn't know what was going on yeah. with it. They were just kind of throwing stuff out there against the wall and hoping that something would catch. And a lot of them stopped doing it. And Kathy and I, I wanted to ask you too, what's the vibe in New York these days with a lot of these, you know, um, other type of publishing companies are, are you seeing a lot of enthusiasm to get, get something going in this, this space? I mean, i I, I'm sensing that that's happening, but but is there like a real wave of of desire to jump into the space on the part of magazine companies, all, all sorts of levels of publishing companies?
2: I think everybody is watching the space with great interest. I think several media companies, have, like mm-hmm. the New York Times, for example, is doing a great job. The Wall Street Journal is doing a great job. Uh, yeah. ESPN is doing a phenomenal job Amazing. with the 30 for 30 or 30 on 30, whatever that series is called. It's fantastic content, great storytelling. So why wouldn't they? You know, it's 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 such a great medium.
3: I'm so. not.
1: Yeah, and it seems. And Todd and I have talked about you know the the trend line of like Gimlet having like uh, ten people to staff a a show production. I know you know that was one of the reasons that I asked you early on about you know what kind of staffing levels that you have uh, as opposed to the profitability of your shows, but. Uh, it 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 just seems like there's this spectrum. There's there's people that are investing a lot in staffing of this, and I, I just wonder if it's if it's sustainable um, to have ten people working on any kind of show production.
0: But you guys aren't going to have ten people working on a show. You're going to staff up ten to work on you know how many how many shows did shows. you a bunch of shows right?
3: Yes. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yes,
0: but we, you know, we've heard 10 people dedicated to one show. I, to me, Rob, what's the ground, where did you guys get the ground truth on that? I, where did you, well,
1: I, I mean, it was, um, they had 80 people for, on their staff at Gimlet, right? They had 80 staff people and they were producing 10 shows. So I know oh. some of those people were probably, you know, um, managers, executive salespeople, or wh- whatever that weren't assigned to a particular but, show. But that was the impression I got is that they, they had at least um, f- five to six to seven people assigned to every show.
0: Well, they they, def- they rep more than 10 shows, though. You know, just look at QDT. How many shows do you have over there? Okay. Twelve. So, you know, there's at least, you know, I'm sure you've got a key point person at mid-roll over there for for your network, but still there is... Yeah,
1: but that's not a staff person, though, right?
0: It'd uh, probably yeah. be sales, right? You deal with sales, mostly sales We work, work
2: with a team. There's an ad ops team. There's an ad sales team at Midroll. We work with both, yeah. and then, like I said, we have one a person who really, it's It's a full-time job to do ad operations for 12 shows. That's right. a lot.
0: That's funny, because I do ad operations for sometimes as many as 400 a quarter. <laughs>
1: Just, just by yourself, right? <laughs> by me, yeah,
0: yeah. I with my, imagine.
2: Yeah. my dream is that someone will buy a network. <laughs> do, will do a network buy on QDT and buy the whole network, buy spots on the whole network. I think that would be great. So it hasn't happened yet.
0: But. Yeah. Well, we came close in the early days, but not. You know, it still was. You know, it wasn't the whole network, but. Yeah. Funny. Well, that's good. I'm. I'm glad you're having success with uh you know, and monetizing. But what has, you know, if you, I don't know if you can talk about it or not, but. Okay, so you're staffing up, you know, to ten or whatever it's going to be, the number. And by the way, if you're looking for job, folks, it sounds like they're going to. In fact, you've got jobs posted now, don't you?
2: Mm-hmm. yes. Where,
0: where can they find those jobs?
2: Oh, the Macmillan Career Site, U.S. Macmillan. Just Google it.
0: Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're uh, willing to do the, do they have to be in Manhattan? Do they have to come into Manhattan? Yes. Or.
2: Yeah. We need we need people in New York to work hands on with our authors and to work hands on with the team. We definitely want
0: people in New York. So, if you're within commute distance, you know, and for folks going to Manhattan, that could be an hour or more commute on train. So, uh, if you're within striking distance, and it's it's a consideration. But I'll I tell you the what's interesting is this central this bubble, Boston to New York bubble, and then the LA bubble, and in, in the middle of the United States, there's like. Well, you've got the service providers. You got you know you got Livson in Pittsburgh. You got us in in Columbus, and it's it's kind of funny, you know, and uh, how it's all worked up. But it makes sense. You have to have you got to be where the action's at and where density of people are too. Um, God, that, will
2: you be going to the upfronts?
0: You know, I'm not. I have not went to the upfronts in the past. Um, it's um. I know what the companies are doing, so I, I don't necessarily need to go and be pitched myself. But uh, no, we're not going. Are you guys participating? Uh,
2: no, we don't, we're, because we're not an agency and we're not, you know, ad buyers. So we we don't. I'm anxious to go. If anybody has an extra ticket, so
0: <laughs> oh, I I don't know how that works. I get. Yeah. I tried hmm. to get
2: an invite. I didn't score one. So I, it's it's a pretty. I I know it's sold out. Um, it's a tough ticket to get if you're a publisher
1: so mm-hmm. is a uh, mid-roll doing that
2: for you by chance or yes so mid-roll would represent us
1: yeah
3: yeah
2: yeah The shows that they have yeah
0: you know and it's interesting you know and i understand the value of the upfront we've never participated in the upfront um because we're not a content company you know i sure we could invite some podcasters to come but that's really you know, not what we do. We we rep podcasters. We don't. You know, we're not in a in the content creation space. And, well, you know, and I guess uh, mid roll isn't either uh, completely, but but uh, I don't. Well, it's know. It was meant
2: to generate enthusiasm for the shows, right? and yeah. For advertising. I think last it's only been one or two podcast specific upfronts. Traditionally, they've yeah. been they were television focused. Yeah. This is the, I think it's it's a great sign to your point earlier about the $200 million coming into the, the space for ad buying, it's a great sign of that, um, that, that, that podcasts really are considered sort of more mainstream now, right? We've all had those conversations several years ago where you spent the majority of the time explaining to someone what a podcast was and how the medium worked. We're doing less and less of that and really focusing more on the quality of the content, the quality of the ad read, and the entire experience for the listener as we watch those numbers grow. So it's like, it's great. I think there's more research coming out this week, in fact, from Edison. So we'll be watching that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: well, uh, Tom's going to be on our panel along with Ming Young and Rob Walsh. and yes, uh,
2: I will be there to watch., yeah, so it's, it's great. It's a great panel. Rob, what, you're doing like state of, state of podcasting, right? at podcast movement? Yeah, yeah. correct.
0: It's yep. we do it every year. So, I know.
2: And last year they had you on the last day, the last wow. session. So my flight left and I missed it. So this year I'm going to stay till Saturday just to make sure I'm there for everything.
0: So. Yeah. they, they uh, And it's, I, I I don't know, Rob, is it a consolation prize for us to be at the end? <laughs> but it's
3: well, uh,
1: We're on at 9 a.m. So we're like, I think one of the first sessions on the last day. Oh, so that, hopefully that's, people yeah, that's will, better. will catch us this time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, I'm looking forward to the event. So, I think it's going to be great. And Rob, congratulations! You'll be inducted into the Hall of yeah. Fame. Is that yeah, it's great. Thank
1: we'll you. Be there for that as thank well. you. Thank you.
0: And, and uh, I actually uh, surprised Rob via email. I forgot to announce it on the next on the next on the last show. Uh, I get to introduce Rob.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah, oh. you're a Hall of Famer as well. So yeah. Rob, the big question is: Did one of your fans make you a tux or a bow tie or whatever it was that Rob Welch had last year? Right you remember that he had oh, a, yeah, oh, one of his listeners actually created
1: a bow tie i bow tie i've been i've been thinking about that a lot i'm not quite sure what i'm gonna wear yet so i'm i'm still pulling that together
2: okay we'll be watching mignon wore a gown last year and it looked beautiful yes when she because she yeah. was inducted last year as well
1: I, i've been shaming
0: rob because you know i I'm, I'm i'm the only person so far that actually rented a tuxedo now Rob Walsh did the bow tie thing, so you know he, he was he was pretty dapper. So I kept telling Rob, you need yeah. you need to come in a tux, so you so at least the two new media show guys will have been the best dressed men at the uh, at the podcast awards at the Hall of Fame induction.
1: Well, that's the key that, that that's the key phrase, best dressed. That doesn't necessarily mean best dressed means a tux.
2: Well, you know. Okay. And who are the other inductees this year? I know Elsie Escobar from Libsyn. And is there's usually a third,
0: right? It's I think there's five, but I I don't have the list in front of yeah. me. I should. I
3: oh, love
2: it. Class. Congratulations to all. Of oh, them. Dan That's Class. One
1: of, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Luria, oh, Petucci, mm-hmm. is part is coming out, and she's getting one too that th- this year. That's
2: great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it it will be cool. a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian
1: Ebbett. He's he, he's one of them
3: too.
0: Yeah. yeah I'm trying to figure so, out how I can roast Rob without roasting him during his introduction. So.
1: <laughs> I know that's what has me worried. <laughs> yeah, and if I don't show up with a, a a nicer tux than than what Todd wore, I'm gonna get shamed. Clearly. <laughs> well, uh,
0: you you'll definitely outdress me. I'm not wearing a tux for the event, so.
1: Oh you're not?
2: Okay. No, 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 okay.
0: no, no, no. You can't you have to you can't look as cool as the uh, inductees, right? That would be that would be bad um, form. <laughs>
2: we're looking forward to it. it'd be a great event.
1: Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. It'll be interesting.
0: You know, That's I th- for sure I think the whole podcast movement is gonna be um it's gonna be inter- it was you know, this is their kind of the year where the it's changing just a little bit. So I'm I'm gonna be uh uh, real curious to see the the mix of people, you know, because they worked real hard to get radio people in there. Of course, the indie podcasters yeah. are there in force. We know that, so it's going to be um, interesting to see how this crowd is, and and more importantly, how they intermix in some of the social events. How much, you know, how much social uh, social uh, um, mixing Crossover. there's going to be. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It
2: was a little overwhelming. Yeah, last I year. think it it's so a large. It,
1: It's going to be a different experience overall because the, the exhibition side is going to be much more separate from the conference than it has been up till now. Yeah. Um, so the dynamic of the, what's going to happen in the exhibition isn't going to be as much of a factor in the, uh, the conference side, I don't think this year, so. The, it's going to be a clearer line of demarcation,
3: right?
0: But Dan and the team have worked really, really hard. And, you know, we've talked to them about this many, for, you know, we were, matter of fact, we were insistent in the early years that you have to have, you know, this where the vendors and the, you know, where there's the good mixers, you know, because I went to so many conferences and a good example of that this year was the, we went to a, uh, Proclaim, which is the, uh, National religious broadcasters event, absolutely horrible. We the 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 the, um, the meeting rooms were like 200 feet oh, from yeah. the exhibit hall, and oh. the traffic was heinous. So you know, the key is you know what I've always told the guys is that we're coming there not we're coming there to raise a flag and support, and you know we're happy to be there. Uh, but we also need to see and talk to podcasters to make it worthwhile as a as a trade show event to be able to come and attend. And um because that's what happened with um uh, New Media Expo and Blog World is that in the early uh, uh the early years it was really, really good and then it just nosedive for the exhibitors and um I know most attendees yeah. could care less, but uh uh, you know, it it for us it's important. Um,
2: are you saying they moved the 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 location for the exhibit hall is not where you wanted? Where well, you
0: wanted? no the, the 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 it's more traditional where the sessions are in one part and then the exhibits are kind of you know in their own room. But they yes. have set up an area. You Kind of have to transverse through the exhibits to get to an area. Oh, uh, meetings. I, yeah, for meetings and they're having some events and stand ups and that kind of stuff. And I, I think it but those typically traditionally they set those up in in every event that I went to. They've been good meaning, but they've never pulled the traffic in um you know, as they would have expected. They get less traffic than so I'm just crossing yeah. my fingers that they're able to you know to and, and, and if you're attending Podcast Movement, please understand too that just coming by and saying hi um, to yours, if, you know, to if you're hosting with Live Center, Blueberry, or your Go Speaker, whoever you're, and whoever you do business with, just coming by and say hi is important. Um, and, and you may not want to stick around and chat and be pitched or anything, but uh, just saying hi is important to the vendors. It helps keep building a dynamic a trade show event.
2: Well, will you have snacks in your booth? That always matters,
0: right? Of course, we always have snacks. We always have candy there. So
2: everybody at Podcast Movement goes (laughs) to Todd for some snacks.
0: But there's also another thing you do at a trade show that I can't give away the secret. It's something to do with the, well, I'll tell you. Because it's, you know, it's just us, Monk here. If you ever do a trade show event, order double padding. So you order your carpet, but below that you get padding. You order double padding. Everyone's been on their feet. They walk around, they step onto your carpet and their feet go, "Ah," and uh, they don't leave. It's true. Swear, swear. this is a little trade show trick.
2: Really? Yes. I've heard that before. I don't do a lot of trade show, we don't do any exhibits or anything like that.
0: Yeah, but if you ever walk into a booth and it's softer, you don't want to leave as fast.
1: (laughs) Okay. So it. you have everybody checking that out. Everybody coming to your booth and just standing in your booth yeah. the whole time. Yeah, is it, that it, what it is? It, it's okay.
0: true, and people don't want it because their feet are going. Ah. <laughs>
2: That's great. Good tip, tip of the day from Todd. So
0: I was going to bring up the podcast. Yeah, I don't know Todd. Go ahead, Rob.
1: Yeah, I, I was. I was going to mention about the National Religious Broadcasters Conference. So it's a. Good example, I guess, of what you were talking about. But uh, I was just going to mention that they're taking that conference back to Nashville again yeah. this next year, and um, the exhibition hall was actually right below the meeting room, so that the, it's kind of like a two-story facility uh-huh. that's inside of this big atrium. But um, that actually in Nashville that that had better traffic to the exhibition. Um, than the one in Orlando, which was like oh. you had to walk down a big long hallway, yeah, to get to the, the exhibition. I mean, it was like separated by like was, maybe 200 yards, yeah, it was it was hallway,
0: it was horrible.
3: Wow, yeah, yeah.
2: and there's people don't realize like, no what you guys go through so. to be on site and in booths and you know, there to present information to us when we just walk around and check all them out, check all the exhibits out. So it's a lot yeah. of work, right?
0: It's and it's a lot of money, so yeah. you, you know, it's uh, yeah. You know, to go to like NAB, uh, NAB and CES are, are really expensive shows. To go to NAB, you're a minimum, minimum, minimum uh, for 10 by 10. You're just upfront cost of like 10 grand, you know, to get everything in there. And then hotels and airfare. So, you know, you're 20K in uh, for two or three people uh, being in an event for four days. So... You know, we we became a upper level sponsor for Podcast Movement this year, and it it was inclusive of the. It didn't cost as much if you were a gold or silver sponsor, but if you came in, so you know, Podcast Movement is more affordable for vendors, but you still have airfare and you know, shipping stuff in and dealing with the union and and all the stuff that yeah. you, you deal with when you have a booth.
1: Well, it I is a little this. bit more more expensive because you do have to pay for the power, and you do have to pay for you know, having your your supplies get shipped in there and that kind of stuff—it's a little closer to what the experience is at like an NAB. Right, I mean, I think that right. that's what's different than the last couple of years with the podcast movement. Or I could just ship my stuff directly into the hotel. This year, I have to ship my stuff directly to their their kind of convention, you know, supplier. You can still ship it uh, to the hotel. Then, uh, they they told me you can't really. Yep. Mm. Mm. If you are seeing carrying in more than one person's load of stuff into your booth, yeah. uh, they'll, they'll give you a hard time about it.
0: Really? Hmm.
1: You can't use carts or anything like that. Oh, that's, that's what I was told. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, I know I was, I was fully planning on having everything shipped into the hotel and they told me I had to go directly to the, to the exhibition provider because of the union awesome
0: so back anyway yeah so i think podcast movement is going to be fantastic um and i'm looking forward to it
2: yeah Yeah, definitely
1: it'll be a great uh i mean it'll be great to have all those radio people there and and i know kathy you're obviously going to be there as i mean as they're going to be a strong contingent from um, from your company there as well. Or just Yeah, going to be you I'm and actually Mignon. really
2: excited. It's the you know our hosts are all over the country and our producers as well. Two of our producers will be there. Um, three or four of our hosts will either come in just to have a, d- a dinner with us. We're having a QDT uh-huh. dinner one night, and there's I think going to be eight oh. of us present. Uh-huh. It's the largest gathering of QDT professionals in a single room ever. So we're very excited. Yeah. And uh, coming with me is uh, our senior editor, uh, Alyssa Martino. So you'll meet her. And of course, Mignon will be there as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's it's and, uh, and I noticed that. Uh, so what's the story here with Mignon? She's now coming on more back, more engaged with QDT. I, I know that for, you know, she did a professor thing for a while. What what's going on with her?
2: Yeah, she's she's always been engaged throughout that entire period. I believe her her tenure with uh, University of Nevada at Reno has ended, and we're delighted to have her uh, as always focusing on QDT and and growth. We we are in touch every single day, so it's a it's a really strong partnership.
0: Yeah, that's and how did do then does does she then normally interact with the host, or do you guys do that, or how how does that
3: work? With your, uh,
2: you know, I, I love the way we collaborate. Uh, we we have a lot of fun. You know, when NatureBox was a sponsor, we started an email chain with all of our hosts, and they were arguing together over which who's, which snack was best. You know, whose kid <laughs> liked what. It, it was just great. We 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 share a lot of you know industry information with our hosts. Uh, we share a lot of ideas. You know, every time a new audio social sharing tool comes up, we try it out, and we are always feeding information to our hosts to help them grow their platform and for us to be able to support them in, in better and different ways. And Mignon is a is a key contributor to that as well. So it's we're all in touch every day, whether it's even just an email saying, Hey, we're doing a production push and the CMS is going to be down for 20 minutes or it's, Hey, look at this great article we just read on the verge. You should really see what's going on in the industry. So it's, it's, it's a very special partnership and collaboration with the entire team.
0: And it's one thing. Have you guys ever tried using Slack?
3: Have you guys,
2: we, we we did, we tried, we, we have a Slack set up just for the immediate team, not all of the hosts. Um, it probably would benefit us. I've been using the one on pod to pod and sort of paying attention to what's
0: going on. I live in that. Uh, I see you in there. Yes. It, and it, and we have one for our own team mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is reduced, you know, critical stuff goes by email still, but yes. um, you know, we actually set up a communications plan on how we, what type of communications happen where, and the whole team kind of follows that and it works out really, really well. But, it's better than 500 emails in my inbox every day.
2: You know, that's probably, that's a good tip. We'll probably have to try that now that we're staffing up.
0: Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, just to be able to say, hey, by the way, you know, which would have been an email before, um, yeah. my team has kind of spread out. If, you know, if you're sitting in the same, you know, if you're all in the same area, it's not so hard just to stand up and talk to someone. I prefer that. But, you know, that's not the way we build our company, so.
2: And I share your show all the time, too. You guys should know that. I I, I will actually mark spots within the show and have the team listen because you give information that really is useful to us as we grow and continue to work in this business. So thank you for all that you do for us.
0: Yeah. I must mention, though, we had a listener last week that got upset at me, and I apologize to them. I
2: Well, Todd, sometimes you can be a little strong in your opinion. You don't need me to tell <laughs> well, you this. <laughs> well, I, I, it was,
0: I used, used well, I said the S word. And, uh, yeah, so, anyway, it's, you know, we get, we have fun here, and uh, I apologize if uh, anyone was offended, but uh, that just, you know, we get excited, and we talk, and we have strong opinions, and <laughs> so that's just, well, when
2: you're in this business I mean it's a risk you take you really put yourself out there and I think we also um, have a have a policy at qDt where we respond to every concern or every question from listeners or fans as they come in we want them to know that they're really important to us and if they have a concern about the way an ad has been read or you know a concern with one of the topics we've covered we definitely don't shy away from addressing them head-on
0: so yeah I, and I think that's yeah. important too sure. from a um, engagement standpoint that uh, yeah Absolutely. It, I, I was just amazed I was you know the we're going to announce the slate for the podcast awards at at 3 p.m. Eastern today and um is part of my annual research and this year I didn't have to we we changed the whole process up but the I still do some research just looking at podcaster sites so I was looking at for about 10 days I was looking at 100 150 sites a month and I have a, a basically a clipboard here and I I mark stuff real quick on the clipboard to see you know, what's on the websites and I, I continue to be amazed by the number of shows that have no way for a listener to contact them. There's no email address or contact sometimes there's a contact form, but it you know, and I kinda of said, Okay, that that qualifies as a way to contact them, but it's usually a contact form for advertisers, not a contact form for listeners and it just I'm just like, why would you not want to have the ability for a fan to reach out and provide commentary and it's, it's always amazed me. And this year was even more so.
2: Mm. That was surprising.
0: But just, you know, little things on websites and, um, I, I often get a lot of grief for it because what are you to know that you're not the expert? So uh, you, know, you have to say, so these are suggestions.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, to- one
2: more plug for the QDT website. We actually put the transcripts of every single episode on our site. So there's often um, audio excerpts from books. There's a lot of you know, content that maybe doesn't work quite as well in audio. Like we had a story on how to iron a button down shirt and clearly that needed to be a video, right? So we try to um, use the resources we have to take our content and disseminate it to consumers in the format that is best suited for the content really. So our did website is, is actually a huge part of our business as well.
0: Did, did you folks, um, I'm curious about the transcript part because I've seen transcripts implemented horribly and people actually get decimated by Google. And I've used that word three four times today by Google, <laughs> um, with, uh, because it just would look like one long run on sentence. How do you and maybe I can bring up the site. Where do you stash the um, the transcripts?
2: So our workflow is quite different, I think, than just about any other network out there. Our hosts actually write their transcripts first, oh. and then submit them into our CMS. We you know we are MacMillan. We have really high standards for quality content, so we have an editor who edits all of the content, Alyssa. And make sure that it's all up to our style, is grammatically correct. Uh, she fact checks um, all of it, you know, just like just like any other major publication. She then puts the article back into an approval state, which gives the host the okay to go ahead and record. And the rest, you know, just kind of the workflow just publishes from there. The producer then does his or, his or her thing, uh, lays down the music, d- cleans up the files, and everything publishes at the same time. So at this, our CMS, when we hit publish, it puts it puts the episode out onto the feed and then it simultaneously puts the transcript onto the website.
0: Okay, so I'm bringing up the, the website here, and I'm on cutie. I'm on actually Grammar Girl. Mm-hmm. So We're, there you
2: go. You'll see the audio player is on the right-hand side. Yeah. It's a little bit hidden. We're yeah. actually going to work on trying to find a better place for that. But that's the transcript. That's the transcript, and then the, the accompanying audio is over on the right.
0: So the tra- how do I see the transcript then?
2: Well, you're reading it. Uh, the, oh,
0: the article is the the transcript.
1: Article's a transcript. Yeah, that's a copy mm-hmm. on yeah. the page. Oh, so, okay, yeah. so this, okay beautiful
2: yeah isn't that great Here's, and it, you know we were all, it gives people you know um if they want to share it maybe they don't always want to share something like this especially this might be a tip that an educator might share with his or her classes classroom or a business writer might share it with their marketing team so sometimes it can be easier to disseminate that content you know in in written form as opposed to the podcasts.
0: okay so it gives,
2: every, gives to, our listeners have a variety of ways in which they can interact with us and, and share content
0: everyone Everyone, everyone, everyone that's listening to this, I I, I need you to pay attention here because this is important. I've talked about contextual show notes and I've talked about transcripts before, and this is how you do transcripts because this doesn't look like a run-on sentence. This is formatted, okay? It's got bullet points. It's got hyperlinks in it. It's got um. Sub sub subject titles. Now again, because the show is you know three to five minutes, you know Grammar Girl is not a long episode. Um, they're able to do this. They're able to put the the transcripts up like this. But if you're going to do transcripts and you know for this show and in, in an hour and, you know hour and thirty minutes, it wouldn't fit in a blog post nicely. And it's not scripted and it's not. Um, Contextual. Okay. So how do I put, you know, a pause or how do I, you know, if it take out a butt or, hmm, or, you know, so many times I see transcripts that are just, it looks like a massively run on sentence.
2: I've seen that too. Yeah. You can't find what you're looking for.
1: Well, because that's how people talk, right? Right. That's a reflection of how people talk, what we're doing here. So Kathy, so, um, all of these episodes are highly scripted is what I'm gathering here. So you create the written form first and then that gets voiced. Is that correct? so it's That's almost like an audio process
2: yeah sometimes we just do summaries depending you know if, we, if it's an interview show, obviously we, it's a little more challenging to get the yeah. full transcript yeah for a standard a standard QDt host read show this is and then the delivery our hosts have exceptional delivery. You, you would never even realize that they're actually reading from a script. It sounds very natural.
0: Yeah. This and
1: well, Todd. This, yeah. This is this is really interesting too because I, I do uh, a very similar thing with my podcast, Todd. I I write it all up, before um, before I do it. Now there's a lot of conversation that happens around what I write up, um, but but uh, I've done the full spectrum. Like this show, there's no script, there's no preparation that we do for this at all. But then on the other side, this is this is a reflection of what. I, I think more people can do to to utilize the written word with the spoken word because combined it's a very powerful thing and you guys have, have kind of done the best here the best of both worlds you're producing the audio because some people like to listen and some people like to read and you're tapping into that and that's amazing so
0: that's i'm going to do a little experiment here and this is the important part about google so let me go to google and let's look at part of this title. The part of this title was, "It's how to write a compelling integra- a compelling introductory p- paragraph." So I'm just going to Google "write a compelling introductory paragraph." We're going to put that in Google, and we're where, where so, do we?
2: Oh, I hope for good things. I'm hoping for good things, Todd. It's number two. You're putting us on
0: the spot. <laughs> okay, I no, I, okay, I'm I'm serious. It, it comes up number two. So let me. <laughs> The, this this is this is where this is where podcasters, I, I get so much grief, so much grief over this. I'm talking about having okay. So it, it's number two we on
2: the list. We can't see your screen, but you're oh, saying I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry, two. sorry. Let well, me. We also, um, I mean, we. We do it all. We also spend a lot of time thinking about this kind of content and how to best get it into the hands of, of, of people who are interested in it. Everything we do is SEO optimized. So we, we think a lot about headlines, about descriptions, about introductory paragraphs being really compelling and being really geared toward the subject at hand. Um, this, it doesn't happen by accident.
0: So I, I, uh, on, uh, on Firefox, it was number four and Chrome, it was number two. So it's weird how that happens. But still... And this was published on August 3rd. Folks, this is August 12th. Do you know how hard it is to get a number fourth ranked article on, and, you know, let me just do compelling introductory par- paragraph. Let's, let's shorten no, it let's up. No, let's
2: quit while we're ahead, Todd. Come on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so, okay, so. Just in the top five, Todd. If you can get yeah. it in the top five, that's, oh. that's going to get you a lot of traffic.
0: Okay, compelling introductory paragraph number one on Google. So yeah. this is where podcasters don't listen, and I've been telling people this for for t- 13 years. How do I get 200 thousand hits to my website every single day from Google It's because I employ this tactic, not even tactic, it's just a standard blogging technique and mm-hmm. f- and from that, okay, so someone says, "Oh, how to write a compelling edit to your paragraph?" They go over, they click on Grammar Girl, they go to the page, they load it up, but bing, but boom, and they're like, "Holy cow! Look at this! This is a podcast. Let me subscribe." Not everyone you have
2: an ad blocker on. You have, you're, you you got to turn that off. Uh, it's it's loading.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, it,
1: it's just loading. It's yeah. loading slow. Yeah.
0: So. It, it it's on Chrome. It's on, but not on Firefox. See, it loaded finally. <laughs> there you go. Thank <laughs> so the, you. Help me pay the yeah, but this is this is the dealio here. Now, not everyone's going to subscribe. What I actually find is less than one percent subscribe. Okay, so now do the math. Do the do the math of two hundred thousand hits a day, and like, let's use one quarter of one percent of two hundred thousand visitors to a website every day. That subscribe.
1: <laughs> How I do you think th- you grow your show pretty fast? How do
0: you yeah. think I've kept GoDaddy as a sponsor? Because I and I only get paid on new GoDaddy acquisition. If you become a new customer GoDaddy, I get paid. If you're an existing customer, you don't, I don't make nothing on that. I'm happy for you to use the code, but it's because I have a continue in Now, not everyone stays subscribe So let's say you lose eighty percent of them. Two and ten stay. It's still long haul numbers. I don't need a website. I hear that I was a big argument on Facebook. I don't need a website. Can you imagine building a network without a website? Or building a show? I can't. For the life of me, I can't. Just from the Google Oh oh, man, this is I'm gonna use this as an example from here
1: on out.
2: Okay. Please do.
1: Plus, also, I mean, what what percentage of your audience uh, listens to the show right on this article? Is there any tracking that you can share on percentage of your audience that comes off of um, listening? I,
2: I look at it as a network total every month. I don't really break it down by show. We probably should take a look at that. But I will tell you that the the uh, the more the number of people who listen on the website is more meaningful than you would think. Of course. Because I think, to me, that that player is a little bit buried. We have to do a better job of of making the connection. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times, too, we get emails from people who read something on the website and we will introduce them to the podcast and they may not always be, the two are not always in sync. Not everybody who goes, like, you know, Todd, you were a little surprised just with what you just learned about how we approach, you know, Grammar Girl and the other um, 12 shows that we have. But people don't always realize that we have both this huge website with, you know, an entire archive of everything we've ever published and individual show feeds for podcasts.
0: But one thing you're doing right, and if I was grading your website... And coming on and just looking at it off the bat, I say, yep, there's a player. It's it's in the t- it's in the uh, it's above the fold. There's a mm-hmm. place to subscribe on iTunes. You don't have a way to subscribe on Android, Android. yet, so you get a you get a mm-hmm. negative check mark there. Um, let's see here, what else? You've got. Uh, we so- do
2: try to be platform agnostic, so we have uh, on a lot of our pages we do have the various ways that you can subscribe.
0: Yeah, so you do have social sharing off the the contact the show doesn't reach out to me directly i'm sure it is here it's
2: it's there it's in a lot of places and i have to tell you they have no trouble finding us we get emails <laughs> every day
3: hundreds
0: of them, so. so you know and i always tell folks you know what you have when you hit someone's website we all do it you google something you go on someone's website if it isn't what you want you're gone you got three wow. seconds
3: yeah yeah
0: you know and if you look at your web analytics and you look at your bounce rate on your page um, you can tell if you're capturing people when they land. And if you're not, the bounce rate's high off of individual episode pages. You need to fix that. But the the other thing, too, is um, then looking for those that stay. How long do they stay? That's as important as a, you know, you're going to lose a percentage of them that are just going to come in and come out. But We uh, look at
2: that all the time, and it's interesting you should mention that too because we have to be careful with that because a lot of times you can actually get the answer to your question just from the snippet that Google presents, especially with a grammar
3: question.
2: Mm -hmm. So Sometimes we're too quick and dirty. We have to be careful of that.
0: But but they wouldn't have got there unless you had published the context. They wouldn't have even had exposure. So, you know, if you hadn't written what you've written in the blog post they'd have never found you via Google. So...
2: Yeah, and it's getting more and more challenging too because I'm sure uh, the Google page that you went to, you can see there's a snippet at the top and then most research has shown that a lot of visitors to, the, to Google don't recognize that a lot of those first couple of posts are actually paid ads. Right. So they're pushing yeah. ju- They're pushing the organic search results further and further down the page.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you That's have a challenge s- for all of us. You have to scroll a little bit. But, you know, it, it's still, it, it it's just goes to prove the the value and you know and i i can talk to him blue in the face and some people say i don't need anything you know we we've got some soundcloud shows that have made the slate um and you go to the soundcloud page and there is a header there's episode title there's a little bit of text but there's nothing contextual and and, and if i go and do this same test on google trying to find that episode for that show. It's nowhere to be found. It may it may be on like page ten of Google if you're lucky. It it doesn't show up in the show uh, in the results. Mm-hmm. So if you're interviewing someone, if you're doing an interview show and you've interviewed an author, you know, for me the the value of success is can I four or five days after I publish this article can I go in and say interview in the name and if I'm in the top five search results win. But there's things you have to do to make that happen. You got to make sure the author, exactly, you know, does the cross post. He tweets it. You work with if he has an agency, you work with their agency. You know, it's it's the that's how you build this long,
2: sustainable. It's the magical mix, Todd. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's all is. Of those things.
0: it is. It yeah. is. But you know, I I don't know anything. So,
1: <laughs> Kathy, are are you guys uh, utilizing dynamic ad insertion? with your archives yet?
2: We are starting to hopefully. Yes. We're, we're, um, the first show that's on art 19 is, is steal the stars.
1: Gotcha. It is. curious.
3: It seems and, like,
1: right yeah, I, I mean, it seems like it's a, it's a long tail opportunity for you guys to offer more, more ad inventory. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I found it interesting.
0: Episodes. I found it interesting that you did the, the show first, then the book.
2: Yeah, but it just doesn't always happen. I mean, yes, in this case, that's the way we're doing it. It's experimental publishing, right?
0: So, it was the that author had he already published stuff before and has a reader track
2: record? Oh my gosh, it's it's Mac Rogers. He did the message and life after, so he's okay, been writing okay. in, the, in the whole Gideon Media. They're um, New York based theater production folks. They are um, incredibly talented um, scriptwriters, um, screenwriters. They're just they're great storytellers. So it, in in this case, it just made sense to just start out with the podcast and let the other assets follow.
0: Okay, because there's no way when I did my book deal with Wiley Publishing that they would said Oh, do the podcast first and write the book. You know, because that yeah. wasn't established. So it definitely, I understand the value then of using an established mm-hmm. author. But why did you know? And it goes back to a case study that um, Wiley did when I published my book was that um you know, obviously podcasting was new and hot. We sold uh forty five thousand copies of that book. They actually right. I actually got a I actually got a um um uh, I made all my advance back and I got a royalty check. That rarely happens. <laughs> uh, first of all, most people don't get a advance. So anyway I got an advance and made got some royalty checks. They weren't big, but you know I, I got a, a healthy advance too. So but what the strategy I used in the early days for the, and I think every book publisher should be a podcaster because you, let's say it's your first book, like it was mine and I've only done one. So I'm, I don't have a plural there, but it's still, I used the podcast. I used, there was no social media and yet the New York Times said my book was the 10th most talked about book of the year. And got an award from the New York Times from that. And it was a top seller on Amazon and got an award for that. But what did I do is I leveraged before people even knew how to leverage what was to be social media. Um, what do I do now on Facebook? I follow my favorite authors. I have conversations with them. You, you have to, I think every author should have a podcast. It,
2: and it works both ways. We in our case, you know, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, who hosts our savvy psychologist show, which has grown phenomenally over the last couple of years, she has now signed a book deal with us and is uh-huh. writing a book that's coming out next year on social anxiety. It's called How to Be Yourself. So it can work both ways. Mm-hmm. right? Podcast to the book, book to the you
0: know yeah. It's, it's yeah,, in yeah. the reason, and the, you know the reason I got that book deal is because of the podcast too. Yep. there was no there, there was no raw voice. there was no blueberry. There was no tech podcast. This came in November. Of of oh five oh four, and uh, you know you you the, I, here's something you should not do um, with a anytime you get offered a book deal you should not reply you have got to be beeping me uh, who are you uh, and hit reply I I should have Googled who Wiley Publishing was and
2: huh. yes <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a point in time when two thirds of our hosts had book deals with us so. For
0: years. Everyone should write one book. I think everyone should go through it. It's a it's a fun process.
1: So is the thought that month. you create the podcast first, and then if it if it shows some significant traction, then you're more likely to maybe convert it into other other media like a book, and then potentially maybe a movie, TV. Is that the the thinking behind it? Well,
2: that's, uh, you know, listen, we are waiting for steal the stars in the movie for sure, right? Um, yeah, I think it's going to it's gonna be oh, yeah. handled individually on a case-by-case basis. We'll take a look at, at, at every project that comes in and really evaluate where the best opportunity is for that content and make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Try to make the right decisions. Because so it's, it's,
0: mm-hmm. some writers can be a little stuffy, so they may not be good behind the mic.
2: Well, not a, it's not for everyone. You, and you, you guys know better than anyone how much work it is,
3: yeah. right? Oh. So. Yeah.
2: It's a lot of work, and uh, you're right, it has to be It has to be the right person. So we're, uh, like I said, evaluating each opportunity on a case-by-case basis.
0: But, you know, the only advantage that Rob and I have is, te- you know, this show is not our job, but this is what we live day in and day out, you know? Yeah. So for us doing the show, sure, sometimes, you know, I wake up at, you know, like this morning, 4.45 a.m. on a Saturday. That one was like, oh, you got to be kidding me, but, you know, that's what you have to do sometimes, right?
2: I can give you one more example, Rob. It yeah, sure. might crystallize your your question a little bit better or respond to it a little better. We have an author by the name of Mike Lewis who is writing a book that's coming out in January called When to Jump. This is a guy who worked for Bain, you know, consulting company and realized he wasn't feeling quite fulfilled with his, his career and quit his job and took off to become a professional squash player. So he traveled the world playing squash. And he came back and he would tell his story and he expected people to kind of react with surprise or with, what, you did What? But the response he got was actually anything but. It was people saying, "I get it. I understand that. I want to do this. I'm in an unhealthy relationship. I want to change something about my my own personal health. I'm stuck in my career." So he is doing a 50-state tour, kicking off next year, where he will go and talk to a jumper in every state, someone who made a meaningful, important oh. change in their life. So he'll interview that person. Uh, we'll have, you know, we'll get the um, audio come back to McMillan, and we will create the podcast from that. Um, and the book comes out in January. So it's going to be a really interesting, you know, sort of, um, collaboration between what he's, the book that he's publishing and the work that he's doing outside to sort of grow his platform and to get the message out about when to jump. So that's, we're really looking forward to that. That is going to, we're kicking off the first episode in October leading up to the release of the book and the tour that he's starting. So we think that's going to be a good one.
0: Well, one thing for sure, Rob, is they are sitting on a gold mine of, of, uh, ideas content creators already so i have no doubt that what folks are going to be doing with this expansion is going to be successful and you're actually in a better position than the pinapolis or the gimlets because you got this source of awesome stuff already so uh yeah, yeah it's exciting
2: well, and I, I have to give a lot of credit to, to senior leadership at Macmillan because they've supported us throughout all these years. You know, podcasting started at Macmillan in 2007. We've learned so much. We've developed so many great relationships. And now we're just trying to take that to the next level. So it makes a lot of sense. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. We're already here, believe it or not. We're, we're approaching 90 minutes. So.
2: I know. I, can, I never sit still for 90 minutes. This, yeah. is, this is unbelievable.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: So, Rob, uh, before we get ready to get out of here, any last questions for Kathy
1: or? No, I just think it's fantastic uh, what what you guys are doing, and we've been fans of the Quick and Dirty Tips Network for a long time, and it's uh, I, you guys are are kind of pioneers in this. I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, I I think it's 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 great that the success that you have, and and yeah, I mean, just the source of content that you guys have. To funnel through, you know, this new network that you're working is, uh, I I think it's going to have a huge impact, and uh, we definitely will uh, wish you the most luck, and, and look forward I to seeing you down at Podcast me. Movement.
2: I will absolutely see you at Podcast
0: Movement. Yes. A little secret: 350 of Min young's 580 episodes, she got the source information from my mistakes. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, she'll love that. Hopefully, she's watching. That's great.
3: That's
0: yeah absolutely great. uh she i could be a, i could be her full-time case study so uh, uh yeah Probably when it comes when it comes to blog posts and stuff like that todd doesn't get the final word <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's great i'll be sure to tell
0: her yeah so everyone thanks, thanks for for being here kathy thanks for taking time out on a, i know it's it's, it's already after, afternoon on a saturday and uh, rob uh well, Kathy, how can they reach you if people have
2: questions? Well, quickanddirtytips.com. dot com. Um, I'm KP Doyle, one the number one on Twitter. Um, Google US Macmillan podcasts, and you'll get to our podcast page. So, and all of those have email links on them as well.
0: So. Rob, how they reach you?
1: Uh, rob at spreaker dot com or rob at dot com. You can certainly reach me on email. I'm on Twitter at rob greenley, uh, and I have a website uh, robgreenley dot So. Uh, th- those are all terrific ways, and we definitely want to hear from you and let let us know what your thoughts are. Um, I don't think we use the S word today, so I think we're uh, we're a clean episode today, Todd. Yeah, I, so I beeped good. it.
0: I beeped the the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, everyone, thanks for being here. And uh, again, we try to keep this G, but uh, sometimes people get excited, so
2: you get uh, fired up, Todd. Yeah, yeah so that's right. All good. But, good. But good. You, I look forward to seeing you guys in California.
0: Hey, thanks so much, everyone. You can reach me, Todd at blueberry.com or at geeknews on Twitter. But thanks for joining us today. And Kathy, thanks for joining us. And we'll see everyone next
3: Saturday on the new media show. Everyone, take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye.